When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. Going to be joined in a little bit by Cody Del Mendo, our friend from CHGO. Uh, but we are coming to you on Thursday, April 28th, as the Cubs drop the finale with the Atlanta Braves and have lost yet another series, Brendan. Yeah, this one sucked. This, this was an annoying series. Again, still positives in some areas, but you see the schedule ahead of you and you see these games that appeared winnable for the majority of those games. And it just, it's annoying. That's, that's, kind of my general takeaway from this yeah so the Cubs have not won a series since that opening series with the Milwaukee Brewers Uh, you've obviously had some splits in there with the Rockies and the Pirates but uh, yeah now you're coming off of three series losses in a row to the Rays the Pirates and the Braves and as we've alluded to before the schedule is not going to get any easier here um, so yeah, Brendan, I mean, it's, it's been frustrating. I think it's, it's particularly for, you know, and, and so just to lay out, you know, what we're going to do here, we'll, we'll talk, I think a little bit about the starters with Brendan, um, Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley, maybe, uh, we will talk about the bullpen, uh, Ethan Roberts with uh, a bad outing on Thursday night in the finale, but for the most part, this bullpen has been really, really good. So I want to continue to highlight that. And then we'll look at some of the good and the bad as far as some of the offensive contributors are concerned. But Brendan, I I think what's particularly frustrating as this season has gotten underway here is that you really feel like 
the all these a lot of these games are close man and like it's easy to yeah. sit here and say like ah they could have won that series they they could have won that last game or whatever but i think it's like extra frustrating that the, this team doesn't really look awful or like horrifically overmatched in a lot of these games they're losing a lot of close games a lot of games that you feel like could go one way or the other based on like one big inning or one big pitch or play and unfortunately a lot of that is is not breaking their way as the Cubs fall to 8 and 11 here uh with the finale with the Braves no the the overall numbers they they look okay they look better than okay they they look decent Decent enough where you don't feel as if you should be three games under 500 at 8 and 11. And they are losing these closer games, but the bulk offensive numbers, just looking at a war total, they're the eighth best in Major League Baseball. Now you look at just the National League, and they're fifth best in the National League. So they, they in theory, in principle, based on how they've played, take away sequencing. There's a lot of good performances. And then you match that with the bullpen value we've received. They they have the best bullpen war in the National League. So it just seems weird. I don't know if that should be interpreted like positively in terms of predicting and forecasting the future. Or you know how baseball works if this is a missed opportunity where you kind of you, you didn't make the most out of some of these early going performances. It, there, it is two ways you can look at it, one extremely negative and one extremely positive. And I don't really know which camp I fall into at this point. I probably trend towards being a little bit more negative because some of these performances have been so good. It's just unfortunate. It's, it's, it's annoying. That might be the key word of this podcast, but I come away. I don't feel as if we're an 8-11 team. Yeah, I mean, I think at the same time, though, I don't feel like they deserve to be much better than that. I, I think. Yeah, you know, but I mean, like three games under, man, it's like their run differential. I know they had that 21 nothing game, but it's just like, I don't know. It feels like they should be at least 500. You know, some of these games were so winnable. Yeah, I think that's what I meant, you know, by things feeling um, particularly kind of frustrating. Like even just going back to you look at that Rocky series, uh, you know, you had a one-run loss in that one. You had uh, a one-run loss in that Tampa series. You had two one-run losses and one two-run loss in that Pirate, that most recent Pirate series. And then, uh, you know, a two-run loss to start this series against the Braves. This one ended up on Thursday being five to one, but it was a one-run game for a, a large portion of this game. So yeah, like it's it's frustrating though I think overall Brendan like th- this is kind of not really that surprising, right? I feel like what we're seeing yeah. aligns with what a lot of us would have expected, which is this team is not atrocious, right? I don't think they belong at the bottom of the league, right? There are some things going well, uh the bullpen being one of those things. You know, you're getting some interesting uh, you know, performances on offense, some not so good as well, but they're also not, you know, looking particularly great, right? And, you know, when we, I think we all kind of knew that that would put them somewhere in the middle where if enough stuff went right, 
you got some bounces, you, you performed really well in close games, things like that, you could be around 500, maybe a little over. Yeah. And if enough of that stuff went poorly and, and broke the wrong way, you're probably going to be a little bit under, which I think is is where they find themselves right now. But Brendan, like one thing that does jump out though, you go back to, um, I, let's just look at that Rays series, for example, like going back to, that was on the 18th of April back at, at Wrigley Field. You had uh, two games in that series, uh, you know, the, excuse me, uh, in that series, the Cubs score four runs, five runs, and two runs. Then you look at that Pirates series, three runs, two runs, 21 runs, which you can't take out, but, you know, it's obviously not been the norm. Then three runs again. Then in this Brave series, two losses where you score only one run, and then the the W in extra innings on Wednesday, you put up six. So it's it's been pretty inconsistent, and obviously the 21-run game is fun, but a lot of, you know, pretty low scores from this offense, um, despite a more interesting, I guess, and diverse approach that we've seen, like a lot of, you know, kind of lackluster performances that are really putting pressure mm-hmm. on the pitching staff to be maybe not lights out, but close. Yeah. If we look at three different ways the Cubs have performed, they performed really well out of their bullpen, absent of this Ethan Roberts performance tonight. The offense... I don't know how you interpret it. Maybe we have different interpretations here, but my expectations for the offense, the current group is outperforming them. I don't know where you fall with that. Whereas for the starting pitching, they're 26th in Fangraph's war as of right now. The the starting pitching is underperforming my expectations. I thought with the depth that they secured with Wade Miley, you had Alec Mills in the mix. You had Adbert Alzali, whom we've talked about extensively over the past year. I, I thought at least the early returns would be a little bit better than this. So that's why like, I understand the offensive shortcomings by this team and maybe wishing there was more power because sometimes you do hit into extra double plays and the sequence team does not fall your way. There's disadvantages to that. But with the way the offense has been performing and getting really good performances by Saya and Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom has looked better, and Contreras, outside of those like runners in scoring position chances, he's been pretty good to start the year. The, the majority of the offense, their numbers look good. It's just the starting pitching has, has underperformed. Um, and it's still early. It's not to say that's going to continue, but that's where the expectations for me don't align in a negative way. But on the flip side, because the offense has been playing a little bit better than I expected, there is room for optimism, I guess. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. We disagree on this, don't we? I, I like, think, I've been talking well, about the I, like, offense I in a positive way. I know what you're saying, right? Like when you look at some yeah. of these guys, as you mentioned, you named some of these guys. Like Seiya's been great, um, you know, coming back I mean, half has been really bit. good too, Corey. Huh? Say that again? Hap, Hap has been really good too. Yeah, His no, no, no. I'm, numbers, I'm, I'm contact, going, I'm walks. going through it. Like Say has been really yeah. good. Hap has been really good. Wilson, uh, you know, has uh, been really good for the majority of this season so far. Rivas. And, His sequencing and, has been weird though. Like Wilson's this like I think there was one number. I forgot what it was about three or four games ago. He was one for something in, in runs in scoring position. That yeah, that's just bad sequencing. You know. Yeah, like you know, wisdom has been up and down, but he's certainly obviously gotten hot since the beginning of the year. Nico's looked good all over the field. 
But, you know, I, I think you also have to reconcile this. Like, you look, just going back to that Pirate series at Wrigley, those four games at Wrigley, you've lost five games in these last two series where you scored three runs or less, right? So, yeah, yeah. like sequencing, like some of the guys are performing well, some of the guys aren't, but, like, at the end of the day, like, that's not going to cut it, right? The 21-run game no. is awesome. It's fun, but... You're, you're losing a lot of games where you're not really putting up a winnable number on the offensive perspective. No, you're not. And it's that's a totally fair point to make. And that might be why the Cubs aren't good this year. That, that carries over. But there is some gray area in there where I know, listen, you put up 21 runs a game, it's going to skew your run differential. But they did put up those runs. And those those at-bats still count. And I'm watching those at-bats. And I'm watching those at-bats and the other games at-bats. And they just look better to me. Like, I, I understand you want to cash in on all those quality at-bats to score more runs. But there's another side where stupid stuff happens. Baseball's a stupid sport. And over the long term, if this does continue... More often than not, those are those quality at bats are going to lead to runs. So that's my point. Like I don't, I don't think they that they don't deserve to be three games under. I think they do because you do have to come through in those moments. It's just that I'm looking at the other side and I feel as if okay, when maybe the the leverage isn't so high, the at bats do look better than I expected, and that's where I'm coming from. No, I I, I think that's yeah, I think that's fair. It's yeah, ultimately like that's got to translate. You know, they're seeing a lot of pitches. They're putting the ball in play. In a, in a lot of these games, they've cut down on the strikeouts. But ultimately, like, you know, I think you need a little more slug and you have to find ways to bring those runs in. Because... Um, I mean, double plays have been an issue. Sure, right? yeah. It's like, a symptom that's, of that's making more a... contact. Yeah, we've talked about that. Exactly right. Yeah. So I so, think, you know, I, I think ultimately what we do agree on is that, like, I feel like a, a lot of the time I, I feel like the results are going to be better than we're getting if that makes sense. And, and maybe that's yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's where I'm coming but, from. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it feels disappointing to be 8-11. and 11. I, I feel like generally they've played a little better than that, which in this case might mean, you know, 9-10 and 10 or, you know, whatever, right? Like yeah. not significantly better, but um, there's, there's games that they've lost where I felt like the, the overall body of work has been better than they deserve. So let me let me run through these games real quick just to set the table, and then I think we're going to talk about uh, Marcus Stroman's outing, which was his best so far as a Cub to start this series on Tuesday. That was a 3-1 to one loss. Six innings, six hits, two earned runs, three runs, no walks, and three strikeouts for Marcus Stroman. Does give up one home run. Ian Happ hit a home run in this one, so that is good to see. That was the Cubs' lone run, unfortunately, in the game. Ethan Roberts and Michael Rucker following Marcus Stroman with two clean innings. And I do want to point out, because Ethan Roberts struggled on Thursday, in the game on Tuesday, uh, an inning of work, no hits, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts for Ethan Roberts. So a little very good and some bad. Um, On Wednesday, it was the Cubs' lone win in the series. That was 6-3. to Mark Leiter Jr. kind of opens this game, two innings, two hits, no runs, and one walk, no strikeouts either. Uh, The bullpen, very good behind him. Keegan Thompson gives up his first run of the season after 16 and a third uh, innings pitched scoreless, so he is a little bit 
human, at least at this point. And even in that inning, he pitched pretty well, I think. Um, the bullpen was great behind them, but we'll talk about that, I think, in the second segment here. Patrick Wisdom with a huge home run in this one in extra innings to uh, put the Cubs ahead 6-3. to three, And that would be the winning score in this one. Uh, the Cubs offense besides Patrick Wisdom in this one, say a Suzuki was two for five in this game, Nick Madrigal two for five with an RBI in this game. Uh, and then on Thursday in the finale, it was a five to one loss. The Cubs could not do much against uh, Wright, the brave starter who improved to three and0. He struck out eight over seven innings of work. Drew Smiley, four and two thirds, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Again, Ethan Roberts gives up three in this one. Uh, but Scott Efros really good. Again, Chris Martin, a walk uh, in a third of an inning pitch. And that was pretty much the story, folks. The Cubs got their lone run in this one. Uh, Nico was picked off. And then Alfonso Rivas ran home. It kind of looked like Nico maybe, you know, they were doing the first and third play, but I'm, I, I don't think he intended to get picked off like that. But he stayed alive in the rundown long enough that Rivas ran home and they got the run. It was a little weird looking, but hey, it worked. Um, so Brendan, let's let's talk about Marcus Stroman. Obviously, we've been focused in on him, and I, I'm sure he's you know frustrated to take the loss in this one, only giving up two runs over six innings. But good to see him get you know through six innings of work. He only threw 86 pitches, so as he gets stretched out, he certainly could have gone longer in this game. Uh, but you know, I think for him, just nice to see uh, a better overall result, even if the end result for the team was not what we all would have wanted. Yeah, Marcus had an interesting start. I think just as a background, the early results, of course, have not been there. He's talked about being out of rhythm, and that's due to a slower ramp-up period than what he's used to coming out of spring training. So because of that, and we've heard other pitchers describe in different words that same type of lack of rhythm concept. But since then, in going through the year, he has made some changes that I don't know are intentional or just a byproduct of the scouting reports and the opposition he's facing. But the biggest difference from last year is that he spiked his four-seam usage. So last year, he threw a four-seam 2.5% of the time, whereas this year, he's almost at 13%. So that is a massive increase, and that's due to throwing no sinkers. Or not no sinkers. I'm exaggerating, but significantly fewer sinkers than last year. And if we look at that start against the Braves, he did go back to the sinker, and he threw a sinker in 35% of his pitches, whereas he threw a four-seam in only 8% of his pitches. So that's kind of within his, his range of past seasons of the pitch mix he uses. The slider was really good against the Braves. I think that was probably the best the slider has looked in all of his starts. The sinker, though, was a little bit leaky. I don't think he commanded that pitch to the best of his ability and to the best that he knows he can throw. And as a result, I don't think his splitter against the Braves played well whatsoever. And the the zone profile, if we look at where those splitters were thrown and then watching the game, it appeared as if he was not commanding that pitch like he is used to doing. So the sinker and the splitter command was just not up to par which is probably why he didn't, you know, 
do better. He still had an okay start, but you want you want better value from Marcus, and he he knows that. He'll be the first to say that. We've seen what he can do. But the slider looked really good. On that splitter, that's been one of his best pitches his entire career. Interestingly, the number of whiffs and the whiff rate he's gotten on that pitch this year is also much lower than his career rate. And it's actually his splitter whiff rate is dead last in Major League Baseball. Now, that's kind of an unfair assumption because not many uh, pitchers throw splitters, but of the 13 qualified pitchers, his splitter whiff rate ranks dead last in Major League Baseball um, at 25%. Last year it was around 40%. So he's just not getting whiffs. It's, it's just that, you know, not to reduce it down to saying, oh, it's just that simple. But that's been a big problem for Marcus is he's not getting the whiffs. The splitter's not getting as many whiffs. And I think just overall, the command has not been consistent start to start. But the positives in this start were the slider was commanded exceptionally well. He did give up a really hard hit ball on a few mislocated pitches, but they were barely misses. Uh, some of the sequencing, I think, from Wilson's end, throwing some cutters that were hit hard, but located well was a little bit misfortunate. But overall, yeah, I think I think it was a step in the right direction because that slider command was a lot better. The sinker uh, usage did go up, which suggests some higher degree of confidence with that pitch. And I, I, I've been kind of approaching Marcus the same way I approached Kyle. It's just a matter of time until the numbers start to uh, normalize out. The, the stuff altogether from a stat cast perspective, everything's within line. So at this point, it's just a matter of him getting in rhythm. And I would say this start is another step in that direction. Yeah. I mean, he's, it certainly looked that way from, you know, just watching it on TV. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before where, when you have Alzali out, you have Steele kind of working through some command and, and velo drop issues as the games go on. You've got Mark Leiter Jr., you know, stepping in and, and trying his best to fill that role every fifth day. Um, you Alec Mills experienced a setback, so not sure when he's going to be back in there. He was supposed to, I think, uh, throw a, a rehab start this weekend, but that was bagged. It, it puts a lot of pressure on Stroman and, and Hendricks, and I think Stroman wants to be that guy, but it, it puts a lot of pressure on them to not go through these early season struggles, and, um, you know, fair or not, like, that's one of the things we talked about kind of coming into this season, Brendan, that for this team to be as successful as, as we might hope, you really need them to pitch like that top of the rotation like lights out kind of guys pretty much every time out there um drew smiley's done a really nice job he's got a 2.79 era on the season he's not giving you a lot of length but in terms of a guy that you brought in and threw into the rotation like he's he's given you some some quality innings and the bullpen has been really good uh on the whole but you, you do need kyle and marcus to be kind of consistently those guys and again fair or not like that's how the team was constructed and and that's what this team needs them to do uh on a on an outing by outing basis and so hopefully you know we've seen some good starts from them over the last couple uh they can continue to build on that and and we'll see more of that as the season goes on okay so quick break here from our sponsor points bets the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt 
of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, build a perfect Live same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same game parlays. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the points uh, bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up at the fastest sportsbook is now easier than ever. So you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And support for CSGO is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision engineer tools for family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and a free worldwide shipping with the code CUBS at manscaped.com. The performance package 4.0 has arrived and oh man, it is a game changer. Inside the package, you'll find their new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to Hold Your Goodies. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to a whole new level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code CUBS. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Cubs at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. All right. So we are now joined by our friend from CHGO. That is Cody Del Mendo. Cody, uh, we were just talking. I know you've done uh, a couple of podcasts today, so appreciate you joining us here for a little bit. Yeah, guys, I appreciate you for asking me to join your shindig you guys do every week it's uh it's a long time coming even though it's only been a month and a half but yeah i'm glad to be here and uh it's actually kind of nice to be here because the cubs pissed me off tonight so let's let's dive into it i guess i I think we could dig into a little bit the fact that i i like I, i think on the times that brendan has recorded have you recorded after a win this year brendan me? I don't think I have. I don't I mean, think I feel you like have time, either. Yeah. I feel like anytime I do some type of like significant recording is after something just very bad happened. So mm. yeah, no wins for me. What are you trying to say, Corey? What I'm, are you trying to say? I'm, you I'm just saying it's here? an interesting thing to consider. That's all I'm saying. But uh, where we wanted to jump in with you here, Cody, um, is this bullpen. So we, we, we started you know this episode a little bit talking about 
Uh, you know, obviously some of the general frustrations with where the Cubs are at right now. We looked a little bit at, at what Mark, Marcus Stroman did on Tuesday. Uh, but as we kind of balance talking about some of the struggles, the good stuff, the bad stuff, one of the things that has gone really well is the bullpen. And I remember, you know, some of the earlier episodes that we did in the studio with, you know, Luke and, Co- uh, and, Luke and Ryan and uh, the two of us, we, you know, told people like, don't worry about the bullpen. Like they'll figure out the bullpen. They always kind of figure out the bullpen. And they they really have been able to do that once again. I know Keegan Thompson is someone we've talked about a lot, but Scott Efros really starring in this series. Uh, so with, you know, they're, they're 8 and 11. It hasn't gone exactly as we wanted, but you have to be pretty thrilled with what you're seeing out of the bullpen from this team. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ethan Roberts had a tough night tonight. Uh, it was literally night and day compared to his last appearance. Uh, but I think JD put it pretty well, or it was either JD or Boog, I can't remember, but you know, when you're young and like still trying to, you know, develop and stuff and you're in the big leagues, you'll have nights like this where, you know, you just look completely different from your outing before. And clearly I think the outing, his last outing, he it was probably his best inning, uh, as a major league reliever, I think he struck out the side in his last his last appearance, and then tonight, you know, he gives up the four or the three runs in the eighth, eighth inning. And I don't know if the Cubs would have scored a run in that ninth inning the way that offense was uh, playing tonight. <laughs> but anyway, but you know, it kind of just deadened it and really didn't give the Cubs any kind of chance to come back and win. So, you know, other than that, though, the bullpen tonight and last night is just, I mean, and, and in general, has just been insane and yeah you know i think Corey, you were on one of the shows that we did you know to preview and you know i i remember when we talked about the bullpen i was i remember saying like the bullpen is going to be the one thing we have we don't have to worry about at all um and to to this point i mean i know brendan tweeted out uh you know rankings uh, for the Cubs bullpen this year, I assume from fan graphs. I, d- I tweeted out, or I didn't, I didn't tweet it, but I, uh, we made a graphic, put it up on our, the Cubs Twitter account tonight or, or today before the game. Uh, you know, just some interesting ones. You know, the Cubs are top five in like five major like categories for, you know, just for team, team bullpens. And, uh, yeah, it's just really exciting to see. I wish we had this bullpen in 2018, man. Like, like right. the more I think about it, you know, like I wish we had like this this uh, infrastructure in the front office and scouting and everything in like 2018 because if we did, like people would be talking about the Cubs being right there with the Dodgers as like just uh, the team Co- year Cody, in and you're, year you're out. getting you're getting dark right now, man. I did I did not eat <laughs> fits right in tonight. <laughs> I mean, what are we being doing? Being real here? though, like it, it's true. Like, you if the Cubs, if the the old Cubs with the with the old core and everything had this type of bullpen, you know, before oh. all of the the bullshit, bef- you know, that <laughs> happened in 2019, and you know, with the pandemic and then contract like extension talking uh. all of it, you you just think about like like I seriously think about it at least once a week, maybe even like every other day even on when i'm having bad days like Dude, I, I just think I, about it all the time if we just had this infrastructure and not to say that we didn't have a good infrastructure 
it's just like when Theo and Jed and them came in in 2012, like the Cubs had no infrastructure at all. I mean, shit. Yeah. There was a reason that there was a 108-year drought, and it's not just because of the stupid GOAT or Steve Bartman. It's like we just were so behind on how to progress with the rest of the league. And, you know, he came in and, and did a, an incredible job, and I'll always be thankful for it. But, like, it still took some time to get to this point. And also baseball just kind of changed, too, with, you know, with relievers and stuff becoming so much more prominent in today's game. Long relievers, especially with the starters going, you know, less innings unless, you know, they're elite like a Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer or, mm -hmm. hell, I guess you can throw Kyle Wright in there tonight if you want to. But, um, yeah, it's just – it's nice to see. And, you know, now now you just got to hope that this uh, rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, you know, goes faster than what many expect. I, You know, I'm someone who's optimistically thinking that, you know, maybe next year or – you know, if some wild shit happens this year, maybe they can get in that last wild card spot. I don't know. That's just if I sip on the Kool-Aid. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be excited about. It's just like this series in general was just – if there's anything you can be happy about, it's the bullpen. They kept them in the games. And it's like, man, if we could just have a starter, a consistent starter, go six innings every night and the offense score two or three runs, we'd, you know, you'd, you'd have a chance to win every game. And it's like Drew Smiley – you know, he didn't he almost went five tonight, but shit, like he he did everything you would want against a, a lineup like the Braves and then we just can't score. It's just so frustrating because I felt like they hit so many hard balls tonight, but just right to gloves or, you know, if there's a bad base running error or mistake or something like that or I don't know, just some weird shit would always happen, it, I feel like. And it's like, how do you clean that shit up? Like because if they can figure out how to score runs on a consistent basis with that bullpen, like they could be a scary team. Like, and that's, I don't even think I'm like jumping to conclusions with that, with this bullpen, they could really make some noise is you just, are you going to get the other two facets of baseball to on a consistent basis to, you know, be yeah. a competitive team. Well, and, and Brendan, like one of the things that stands out about this bullpen too, is that you're getting, I think you're getting positive contributions in multiple exciting ways. Like, obviously, I think we all don't want this to head into another trade deadline where you're looking to move guys off, but you're getting really strong contributions from veterans, Chris Martin, David Robertson, Michael Givens, who could be interesting pieces if that's the direction that this season goes. You're also, I don't want to say for the first time, but with this volume, I think for the first time in, in a long time, getting contributions from guys who may be a part of that next great Cubs team, right? We've talked so much about Keegan Thompson. Scott Efros was great in this series. And Rowan Wick back throwing 95-96. So you're kind of getting it at, at multiple levels. Like it's it's not even just that they brought in a bunch of reclamation projects and they're looking really good. You're you're finally getting like several guys from your own system contributing and being successful at the same time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's weird. You know, looking at the leaderboard of all the Cubs relievers, the numbers look from a bulk perspective extremely fascinating. You have uh, D David Robertson who has not uh, allowed a run going into the last game against the Braves. Sean Newcomb just came over. Of course, he looks a little bit interesting. Keegan Thompson, big fan of yours, Cody. has been extremely good. Rowan mm -hmm. Wick has looked 
very, very good recently. His ERA on the year is 1.35. Scott Efros going into the last game against the Braves, 2.5 ERA. Michael Rucker, maybe a little bit of a surprise for most people. His ERA is a three flat this year. And then you have Gibbons, who's performed. He's a 3.5 ERA. And Chris Martin's been a little bit better lately, but he'll be sub uh, four on his ERA within his next outing. Interestingly, Daniel, Daniel Norris is not pitched in nine days. Like, I don't know what's going on there. I feel as if he may come back and showcase something different, like a new pitch or something. So I guess keep her, keep her eyes on that. But Cody, just question for you. I, I sense you're kind of thinking like Gory and I, where you, you have, you have one eye on the immediate, right? And then you have yeah. one eye towards the future and you're doing the same thing we're doing tonight where we're trying to, like this, this, this series loss sucked, right? So I'm thinking like long term over the next few months, how has how have the Cubs looked within the first few weeks here? Are they deserved of an eight an eleven record? Have they been better? What's been surprising? what what's what's been good? You have a very tough job right now. You have to talk about this team every single day. Like if I had to do that every single day, like I my life would be cut short by at least 15, 20 years. But you you have to do this every, every single day. So where you stand right now, you said the bullpen just has been as you expected. For for me, Corey and I were talking about this before you came on here. The starting pitching has underperformed my expectations, and the hitting, they've been you know, some games not putting up more than one run. I understand that, but the bulk numbers do look pretty good. From your perspective, you talk about them every single day. Mm-hmm. Has anyone surprised you from that that lineup that you had very low expectations, or on the other hand, had high expectations? They have not looked good, and I guess the same can be applied towards that bullpen right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> You mentioned I have to do this every day. Well, the White Sox have lost nine of ten, so it kind of helps being able to watch Sean and Herb and basically, yeah, Sean and Herb every day. Just, <laughs> especially the last, you know, ten days, just really, really hate everything. So, you know, I was watching nice. one of your guys' episodes, and I think I overheard. I think Sean screaming uh, after yeah. they uh, <laughs> lost that late night game. Uh, I was yeah, pretty good. yeah, yeah. It's it wasn't great today too because the Sox went to extras and and lost to the Royals. Uh, again, they've lost like nine of 10 and it, I'm not saying that to be like a Sox hater. I know a lot of people are, I, I've never really been one, but, uh, you know, just for uh, the sole fact of having to do it every day, it does help that the other team on the other side of the city that has higher expectations is kind of really not off to a great start either. And it just kind of honestly, in a way puts it in perspective because it's like, there's still a lot of baseball to play. And, yeah. um, you know, as far as offense, I, you know, I don't know if this is like a easy one to throw out there, but like I didn't expect Ian Happ to play like he's been playing, um, because I just feel like Ian Happ has been given so many chances (laughs) over the last, you know, what four, five seasons. How well he came up in seventeen, um, what in like May or June of seventeen, and then you know we watched it all play out. You know, he really had a down 18, 19. They start him in triple a for, and then he, he literally down there be, instead of Albert Almora the entire time for most of the season comes up, has a hot end of the year. Then the pandemic season comes and he's actually the Cubs best hitter for those 60 games. And, 
And then last year he was real bad in the first half, but then was real good in the second half. And it's just like, there's just nothing, there's just been nothing that's really sold me on him being, you know, a guy that you can build a team around or it can just be a piece on a really good team. But until like, as of right now though, he is playing like someone that I feel like could be part of the team's future uh, you know, with I love the I've always loved the approach. It's just like he either pounds the ball into the ground or he strikes out a ton. And this year, I just feel like he's kind of put it all together. He's been hitting from the right side of the plate. I think last I checked, he's hitting like for his he's like eight for 17 from the right side. So when he faces lefties, which is encouraging, even at a homer in the series batting right handed. Um, and a lot of people, you know, or a lot of critics are always quick to point at that you know his power on the right side isn't as good as the left side so you know it's really encouraging and, and he's still fairly young so you know I, obviously this is a big year for him in terms of you know I know he's going to be a free agent soon so like he's he's got to prove that he belongs right um again though I didn't see him being this good like he's a guy that like you can rely on you or the Cubs have been able to rely on for the last for this entire season it feels like and it's great to see because I just really didn't know what to expect and you know as far as a bullpen someone that I didn't expect to come out and and be as nails as he's been really I mean honestly was Keegan Thompson uh he was he wasn't very good as a starter at the end of last year um I thought he was really good in the bullpen but did I think he could come out and be a three four inning guy and go 16 and 16 innings without giving up a run like no I thought he would be solid but he's like I mean I went as far as saying that like he could be the Cubs you know the Cubs or he could be the Brewers 2018 version of Josh Hader I said that on a show like a week and a half ago and now I, I believe in 2018 the Brewers would bring Hader in like sixth seventh inning and let him pitch two innings to get to Jeffries in the ninth inning and if the Cubs had a good enough rotation, like the, that is how they would use Keegan Thompson, I feel like, on days that they wanted to use him. Because if they had a good rotation or if it's, if it's uh, Hendricks or Stroman that are able to get them to, you know, the sixth, the fifth or sixth inning, then you bring Thompson in for a couple innings and let him be what he's been. You go to that ninth inning with, with Robertson or Givens and it's like, it's lights out like with the way that it started this year. So uh, I don't think it's necessarily a, an insane take. I just based off how the Brewers used Hater in 2018 um, mm. and how the Cubs are using T- Thompson this year, long-term. I, I don't know. I still don't really know. Maybe if, if this is his role long-term and he's okay with it, cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good with it with, especially with the way that pitching has changed in baseball. Um, I know a lot every day in the comment section where we get a lot of people who are like, when are they going to let Thompson be a starter? And right now it's one of those, like, if it ain't broke, don't try and change it or fix it or whatever. So uh, again, he's just been a really pleasant surprise. Again, I thought he would be good, but I just didn't think he'd be this good. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, the thing that really stands out, um, you know, kind of to your point about how they're using Thompson 
I, I know Mills had the setback. We mentioned that. But, like, if you can get Miley back and, you know, maybe at some point over the summer, Alzali back, if Steele can start to be more effective going deeper into games, you know, you do see a pretty clear roadmap to how this pitching staff can be, I, I think, quite successful. It's not going to be super overpowering, and it, it may not have... Uh, you know, guys that are, are jumping up uh, atop the, the Cy Young leaderboards or anything like that. But when you're getting these types of performances from so many of these guys, if you can start to get length from these starters, and not even like seven, eight inning starts, but just, you know, more consistently, like on Tuesday with Marcus Stroman going into that sixth inning, you can see like, you've got a lot of these guys contributing. The bullpen's going to have their their bumps as well, right? As any bullpen does. Even the best bullpens, all guys go through stretches where maybe they're a little less effective. But when you've got several guys right now that I think David Ross can really confidently give the ball to, to get outs, and we continue to see him try to push these guys for you know, more than one inning. Efros did it uh, tonight. We've seen Michael Rucker do it. Obviously, Keegan Thompson has done it. Um, you know, it, it's it's not something that Ross is afraid to do with these guys. David Robertson went one and a third in the game on Wednesday. Like, you just need that length, right? In these last two games from Leiter and Drew Smiley, you get two innings from Leiter, which is kind of expected. David Ross said that that's kind of all they were really expecting from him, but four and two-thirds from Smiley, even though they were effective innings, that's what really kind of makes it harder to, uh, you know, have that roadmap, right? Because even as good as this bullpen has been, asking them to cover five or six innings a night, you're bound to run into some trouble, right? So, if you can get Wade Miley in this rotation, Stroman and Hendricks continuing to pitch well, Brendan, like I think you can see that roadmap to how this pitching staff, maybe they're not going to be elite on the whole, but I, I think you can see how they can consistently give this offense a chance to win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the way that the bullpen has been used by other teams, if we look at the Rays and kind of their their template for what the future might hold they have multiple keegan thompsons they have a few pitchers who will name how many uh, appearances they've got and how many innings for example josh fleming for the rays three games but nine innings pitched he's averaging three innings per game similarly jalen beaks four games almost eight innings phoenix sanders three games seven innings andrew kittredge seven games, 10 innings. So they are able to use multiple relievers out of the bullpen in multiple innings as Keegan Thompson's been used. So that's where I think that the sport is trending. We know the injuries are a potential problem. The expanded rosters, that deadline has been pushed back a little bit, presumably because you have the shortened season from a couple years ago. Now you have the lockout and everything, but the value in Keegan Thompson's right there. And I know we had a discussion about, oh, should he go to the rotation? Should he not go to the rotation? The the value in the bulk innings is the value in the bulk innings. It's just a matter, it's a matter of how you sequence it. So if you want to start him, that's great. But if you can, to your point, Corey, get Wade Miley back, get Adber Alzali back, maybe even get Caleb Killian's stamina going past multiple innings in Iowa. You get him up in the summer. 
man, you, you have so many pitchers on this roster that can be used like that raised template. And maybe Alec Mills is thrown in that multiple inning role. Maybe Killian is also used in that multiple inning role. And then all of a sudden, you have multiple Keegan Thompson-esque type relievers out there. And that that's that's where my hope is. And I think they can get there. And I've been disappointed by the rotation, at least in the early going here, that they haven't shown that that sign of longevity yet. But I do understand it. Yeah, I would say, yeah, the, the rotation has definitely been the biggest disappointment so far. But it's also like, how much did you really expect when you had Miley, Alzale, and Mills on the IL to start the year? You know, mm-hmm. I will say that Drew Smiley has been a surprise, like a pleasant surprise. Not that I thought he was bad, but, you know, I know he was on the Braves last year and won the World Series. But I don't know. I, I just I, I guess I wasn't expecting him to you know, go out there at first couple starts and not give up any runs. Um, so that's why I say he's been a surprise. But yeah, if he if any of them can give you five innings, like that really does set up the, the Cubs bullpen in a in a really positive way in in game situations. Um, yeah, it's just it's tough. Thankfully, lighters um, days scheduled to start. I know, like I think he'd be scheduled to start on Monday. And the Cubs mm-hmm. have an off day that day, so they can just skip it and go um, to whoever is next. I, it would obviously be Smiley against the Sox on on Tuesday, so that kind of you know gives Mills a little bit more time. I know he kind of had a setback. I'm hoping it's not too bad, but like I would, with what we have right now, and with Miley and Alzale still out, it's like okay, we kind of need to put Mills in there because at least you know you can get four innings out of him hell sometimes even six if he's if he has it really going and we've seen him do it before it's not like that no hitter was a fluke um you know i i just the the thing with this team right now we said at what eight and eleven you look at you look at the numbers whether it's the bullpen you look at the offense and brennan you kind of said it earlier like the the underlying numbers from the offense are actually really good and you're and it's like how are they how are they losing games still? And it's, it's so like, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. It's so yeah. frustrating because it's like the offense has been so refreshing with the, you know, with less strikeouts, but it's almost like they've take gotten rid of the strikeouts, but we, or they either hit into more double plays or they just hit hard line drives into gloves. And it's like, I don't know how else to explain that. Like that is legit what they do. Like, there was one inning tonight. I want to say it was the fifth inning. Like they had Kyle Wright on the ropes, two guys on, I think. Uh, yeah. And then just like a bunch of hard hit balls right into gloves. And it's just so annoying. I wish I could go through the sequence because I had it in my head earlier. I don't now, but there was one inning where I just felt like the Cubs had him on the ropes. He, wa- he walked a lot of guys tonight. Like, I don't think it's, bad to say or a hot take to say that Kyle Wright got a little lucky tonight. I know everyone in baseball needs a little bit of luck, especially pitchers to get deep into games these days, but like he walked guys and gave up a lot of hard hits. They just happened to go into gloves or if they were hard ground balls, of course they went right to someone that led to a double play. Like it's like, it's almost like all those things have taken up all the strikeouts. And that's frustrating because it's like, I love that the Cubs aren't striking out as much. So I honestly don't want to go back to boomer bust type hitters. You know what I mean? Like 
So the offense has been great. It's just like if they get some more length out of the rotation and, you know, get some of these guys back. Um, we had Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation on the show a couple of days ago. He said Killian could be up anywhere in the next four to eight weeks. And, you know, that's encouraging stuff. If, if he could come oh, yeah. up in like June or early July, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd love to have him now, but, you know, I also know that the Cubs aren't in a position to win the World Series now, so why do it now? Just do it whenever the Cubs believe he's ready. But, um, you know, that's that's all part of the process, right? And it sucks of you know, having to go through the process. It's just got to be patient and we got to find a way to – just tread water. Like if the Cubs plan on even winning 80 games this year, that right now they got to tread water and just find a way to win some games with what they got. And I know it's hard to think that they can do that, but I mean, even tonight I felt like, man, this felt like a, like I felt like the Cubs were down 10 runs for most of the game, even though it was two to one most of the game. And a lot of that being was just like, you look at that Braves lineup, you look at what Kyle Wright was doing for most of it. And then you look at the Cubs offense not able to do anything. It's like, man, I feel like I'm down 10 runs. But it, it's, you know, they were right there. They had every shot to, to take the lead or win the game. And it's just frustrating because if they were to win tonight, that would make up for losing three or four to the Pirates. But instead, they lost the series too. And now I got to go all the way to Milwaukee and play a team that just swept the Pirates. So... Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting, too, because I think, like, you know, we were talking about the offense before, but, like, kind of to your point, like, you don't want to go back to the strikeouts. Um, you know, uh, the Cubs, I think, in these last two games ended up striking out 10 times in each of these games, but it's certainly not at the, the level that we had seen in past years. Um, but, like, it is interesting. Like, you've traded one frustrating thing on the offensive side for kind of a new one right? Which is they're, I think they still lead the league in double plays. And we're also still continuing to see, um, you know, some, some questionable base running at times running oh, yeah. into outs. You know, we brought up before that, like, this has got to be the first time in a while that they're, uh, you know, the base running metric on fan graphs has them rated as a negative team and one of the worst in baseball. And that's, you know, again, like that's sort of the the situation we find ourselves in is that you've tried to correct one problem. And I think you've done a good job of that. This offense is certainly not uh, reliant on the home run to score all of their runs. And they're not striking out, um, you know, at a, at a rate that's going to put them at the top of the league like we've seen in the past. But they make a lot of contact often. Some of it is not good contact, and they're hitting into a ton of double plays. We saw some. Uh, we saw one, you know, Hayward in a, in a big spot there late in this game on Thursday, and y- you end up with, you know, a lot of singles, a lot of walks, and if you're not able to run the bases at an elite level— well, getting all of those base runners is, you know, not necessarily uh, going to be, you know, the easiest thing in the world to navigate because you're not executing on those little things. So it's it's interesting to see how we've kind of shifted from this is what pissed us off for a long time, and now we've got this. And like you also said, Cody, you also end up with, you know, you're playing the BABIP game, right? Like the more contact mm-hmm. you make, like the more you're playing this, uh, you know, the sometimes the ball finds a glove. And we're also hearing more, they were talking about it. I was watching the Braves broadcast tonight, you know, uh, that the ball seems weird.
weird and it's not carrying as much it's it's doing some yeah. weird stuff so that just uh kind of is is the state of things but uh cody we well, will, the mets, will t- the mets will tell you that uh there's something wrong with the ball and that's why they're allowed to hit guys or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, they, they, said. they said that the other day. I know Chris Bassett was talking about it. Um, I think they, they caught Austin Riley in the, the, or no, excuse me, it was Duvall when he hit the home run in Thursday's game. They caught him in the dugout, like saying to someone, I hit that ball 110 miles an hour and it barely got over the fence. Like what's going on? here you know so that's a discussion for another day but cody we'll let you get out of here i want to remind people uh you can catch cody daily during the week uh on the chgo bets show with sean anderson they've got you covered with all of your betting needs obviously through points bet uh and then cody of course uh throughout the week on the chgo cub show with luke stuckmeyer and ryan herrera i will be with you cody tomorrow night because cody what else would we do on on a Friday night in Chicago than talk about the 8 and 11 <laughs> Chicago Cubs, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, we'll be in the West Loop tomorrow night, uh, pre and post game with Luke. Uh, hopefully we finally get Luke falling asleep, get a nice picture of him. We'll make it our cover photo on the Twitter account and all will be, all will be well. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet, live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And don't forget to support all that we're doing at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team, every day, pregame and postgame shows and premium written content over at allchgo.com when you sign up to become a member. You will also get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the members only discord, the CHGO lounge. So, uh, Brendan, um, one thing I want to talk about real quickly before we preview this weekend series in Milwaukee with the Brewers, um, we, saw a, a little of Alfonso Rivas in this series. Naturally, in the time that we did see him, he made an impact, as you would expect. Um, he gets the start only on Thursday, uh, doesn't record a hit, but walks twice and also makes a really nice play, uh, ranging into shallow right field, uh, catching a ball over his shoulder. Really impressive. We know he's got a good glove. So I, I guess the the question that I, I have for you, and it's I, a little bit of a broader one, is we've talked about Rivas. We've talked about wanting to see him more, his age, the potential that he has, the success that he's had at the minor league levels. Um, with 
Frank struggling a little bit. Um, Frank has a 636 OPS, 235 average uh, so far, you know, as we near the end of April here. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that, you know, we stop playing Frank or, you know, all of that we've talked about with Frank is still true, seeing what you have there and all that other stuff. But because you know that Frank is, you know, not the best at first base and Alfonso is, is, you know, can really pick it over there. How, how do you want to see this playing time going forward? What are you seeing from Frank that's kind of leading to some of these early season struggles? Um, just give me give me a little bit on the first base picture here for the Chicago Cubs. You want to see more of Rivas. I think he interests everyone from a defensive perspective. He's a lefty bat. He's a patient bat. He makes contact. At the same time, you still want to see what Frank has because that September last year was so promising, matching an 11% strikeout rate with a weighted on base average that was top three in Major League Baseball. You don't see that even in one month stretches from anyone. So you want to see both of them. With Frank, the start to the year has been extremely underwhelming. The weighted on base average for Frank is 289, but his expected weight on base average is within the same ballpark as 273. So the quality of contact by Frank has, has not been good, and it matches the eye test. We do know Frank had problems ramping up in spring training. He had some minor setbacks. You combine that with a shortened spring to begin with. Like Stroman, like some other guys, it may be a rhythm thing. So I think it's too early to make conclusive um, have conclusive opinions on Frank. At the same time, Rivas has to play, man. I, I don't know how you can get him in the lineup consistently, whether that be at first base and you DH Frank. But the way we've seen the DH spot work is Haywards in center, Ortega's at DH, or Gomes is DHing, or Wilson's DHing. I we we know the the logical answer we all know is to not play Hayward. I think most, if not all fans, would agree with that. But you have to operate within a sense of reality at this point. And I think kind of the way to go about getting Alfonso in this lineup is consider shifting Hap to center field every now and then. Maybe mid-game, you get Rivas in there for a couple at-bats. Maybe you use Frank in the DH spot a little bit more and you take away at-bats from Ortega. It's tricky. Right. I, I don't know. Like, it's just our lives would be so much easier if, if, if Hayward's playing time was cut back. And at some point, it's, it's inevitable. If this team is not competitive... I think it's inevitable. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But if if this team is not competitive in the long run, we're going to see him get at bats. It's just a matter of time. I think big picture, yeah. he will be playing. It's just a matter of is it going to be now or is it going to be in three to four weeks from now? Right. I, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, you do want to include Ortega in that as well. Like there are different players, him and Hayward. I know Ortega was good against uh, right-handed pitching last year, but he certainly struggled. He's got a 6-12 OPS on the season if you're looking at the lineup on Thursday, he's got the worst numbers of anybody in the lineup. Um, and he's also 30 years old. Like, really, like, what's this? Like, part of the Rivas discussion reminds me of some of the discussion. Like, I know that uh, Michael Hermosillo did not have a good game um, in the, the start of this series on Tuesday. Um, you know, he didn't have uh, a hit. He, he botched that ball in center. He also made a good catch. But, like, the point kind of 
is the same with a lot of these guys. Like, they, they may not work. They may not be good. We don't really know. But, like, what's the point if this season isn't going to go well and that remains to be seen for the most part but like you've got it has to be productive right and I I think what's what's getting frustrating um and I pointed this out last time like at the end of this series Hayward's got a 760 OPS like that's fine right the peripherals aren't good uh and they suggest that those numbers are going to get worse but like it's not the end of the world but the problem is like what's the point you know what I mean? What is the point of giving so much time to these guys who, like, just in no way are going to be on the next great Cubs team, you know? Uh, and I'm not saying that Hermosillo is. I don't know if Alfonso Rivas is, but these guys are young. They've got stuff that y- you have to give them a real shot to succeed. Like, Alfonso Rivas gets one start in this series, you know? What are we going to learn about a guy if he's getting one start? in in a series you know instead of playing two guys that are over 30 years old that don't really have a track record of competing uh or you know being super successful for the last few years so like I get it when some of these guys get opportunities and they don't look great and they're not like kind of seizing that opportunity in in the short you know burst that they get but I I just think it's more productive to just see what you have with those guys like I want to see as many guys who you could have under team control for, you know, a, a cost-controlled amount of money that are in their 20s, you know, mid or late 20s. Like, let's see what you got. It might not work, and it might be frustrating at times, but I think that's better than, you know, the likely, if you play Ortega and Hayward every day, the Cubs probably still don't make the playoffs if that's where this is heading. And you've spent all this time learning nothing, right? I, I, I just don't get the uh. point. So, like... Right now, I want to see more. If I'm picking one guy, it's Rivas. Like when Clint Frazier comes back, I would defer to him over Hermosillo, right? Like there's a pecking order for sure in terms of who, if it's limited, who I would be giving these plate appearances to. But like, especially like you see what he did on Thursday, like let's see what we have. Put Alfonso out there, find a way to get him into the lineup. And I would flip the thinking, right? Like kind of like you're suggesting, Brendan, like find a way to maneuver things around to get him in there, not the other way around, you know, not maneuvering things around so that these other guys can keep playing or, you know, finding positions for them. Like, no, 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 no. Move somebody around put Frank at DH, put Ian in center, whatever you need to do to like find somewhere to play these guys and see what you have. Okay, three games set in Milwaukee starting Friday. Game starts at 7.10 p.m. Thank you for a normal start time. 7.10 p.m. is a good start time. I still don't understand why everybody has to cater to you. Well, I think everyone should. With the start time. Yeah, I think everyone should. I can't watch the first few innings, Corey. You know how much of a pain that is? Everyone should feel bad that I can't watch the first few innings. I don't think anybody feels I bad. I feel bad. You should, of anyone, you should feel bad. But I guess not. I guess I don't have your support. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, okay. So we have Kyle on the mound. Again, start time, 7-10. Kyle on the mound facing Hauser from Milwaukee. Kyle on the year is 1-1, one one, 3.98 ERA. Hauser's 1-2 at the 3.52 ERA. Then on Saturday, we're back out there. Earlier start time, but it's okay because it's a Saturday. It's a weekend. It's fine. We have a 6-10 p.m. start time. Steele taking the mound for the Cubs on the year. He's 1-2, 5.4 ERA. Lauer for Milwaukee, 1-0, 2.2 ERA. And on Sunday, day game, 1.10 p.m. start time. Stroman pitching for the Cubs. 
0-3, 6.98 ERA. Burns for Milwaukee, 1-0, 1.75 ERA. I mean, we know what to look for. We This is a tough series. Milwaukee's 13-7. Cubs are 8-11. We need wins at this point. It's possible things could go in the extremely negative fashion at the end of this series. But it's also possible, as we performed in the first series, where we do get pleasant surprises. From a specific standpoint, I think you have to dial in with Stroman's performance. It might be the most important player performance in this series. Getting him normalized in rhythm allows Ross to use the bullpen in a more relaxed fashion, not having to rely on Keegan going multiple innings like every third day, using Efros earlier in the game, the fifth inning as he did against the Braves in that last game of the series. So Stroman is incredibly, incredibly influential uh, in the short going here. And then as we just talked about, how will Ross use Rivas? How will he use Frank out of that first base spot? And can Ian Happ continue to play well? And if he does, does Ross decide to use him in center field a little bit more to get Rivas in that left field uh, spot, Corey? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a test for this team, right? Like you're you're heading into playing, I think, better competition than they've seen, and you know they they played really well against the Brewers in that first series. We highlighted a lot of the really great work that they did against uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. The, you know, running up those pitch counts, um, getting into their bullpen early. You know, uh, Woodruff was wild in that first series. The Cubs let that come to them. They took a ton of walks, saw a ton of pitch. Um, but you know now you're you're playing them on the road you're not going to have those kind of like early season cold wet conditions Um, not that that's why the Cubs won but you know it's obviously sort of a a different brand of baseball uh, early in April as opposed to inside in Milwaukee and you know Milwaukee has looked better they seem to be you know at least slowly finding a little bit of their rhythm uh, so this is a test for the Cubs, you know, to see if they can perform that way again and and have some success. And for me, man, it's it's pretty simple. Like you got to win a series, you know. Um, I think for for a team in the Cubs position, you know, that's 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 really where you're at. You haven't won a series since the opening one of the season, and you want to start racking up some series wins. And we may end up harping on this a lot, but that's why we kind of were so disappointed at the end of that pirate series, right? Because you, you, you played the Braves at a time where they were kind of struggling, but we know that that team will probably figure it out and be pretty solid as the years go, as the year goes on coming off winning the world series. Um, you're going to head in and play the Brewers. Now you've got the White Sox coming up, even though they're not playing well, but you've got to, you didn't take advantage of the pirates and you know some these are the ways that that kind of rears its ugly head when it's it's tougher to beat better teams right like that's just how baseball works so obviously all the position stuff we talked about is is something to continue monitoring the lineups things like that I know you pointed out Brendan like wisdom over at third in the final game of the series in a matchup that was really tough for him with Wright uh maybe you know does that give us some insight uh you know with VR at second base that Ross is wary to 
put him back at third base, you know, because of the way that some of that left side defense has gone early going. All stuff to keep an eye on. But for me, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, you're, you you haven't won a series in a while. You're in a, a bit of a bad stretch here. Like, if you can have a nice, successful weekend in Milwaukee, take two out of three from the Brewers, I think you can kind of wash a lot of that bad taste out of your mouth that you've had uh, maybe over the last couple weeks with the way the results have gone for this team. But that, I think, is what we have for you tonight. Uh, Thank you for joining us, as always, and your continued support of everything going on at CHGO. As I mentioned uh, with Cody, I'll be on the pre- and post-game for the series starting on Friday, so you can catch that all on YouTube or Twitter, uh, though we do prefer the YouTube, if you are wondering. And then Brendan and I will be back with you, of course, on Sunday to break it all down. We'll have that late for you Sunday night or early on Monday morning. So, Thank you guys for joining us here on the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs.